0: Before I begin this episode, I want to give you a quick trigger warning. This episode contains descriptions of very brutal domestic violence. Listen with caution and care. I told you in the first episode about the nudge that I got from investigator Kevin Allen with the Electro County Sheriff's Office. And that nudge came in the form of a 46-page summary which included police reports and witness statements. I remember reading the details related to Heather's case and not being prepared for what followed. I scrolled and scrolled, page after page, pictures of different women. I wasn't expecting it, story after story of abuse. Another one? I kept asking myself. Are you kidding me? The lump in the pit of my stomach got heavier as I counted. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The abuse victims just kept piling up. There were two 13-year-old victims in the incident associated with sexual offenses for which Andrello was charged, lewd and lascivious battery on a minor, 13 years old for God's sakes. At 23, he was a convicted sex offender, a label that seemed to anger him enough that he kept pictures of that victim in his phone. He vowed retribution in that case. Because he was required by law to register his address where he was living every time he moved, that conviction dogged him because he continually failed to register. Another incident of abuse involved him pushing the mother of his child out of a car when she was seven months pregnant. There's a police report associated with that case, and it says, quote, The victim is currently seven months pregnant with a suspect's child and he is aware of that fact. The victim stated that she was in the vehicle in front of her residence. She asked the suspect to take her to the doctor and he became angry. He then pushed her out of the car and drove off. When police arrived, she was crying and upset and she had dirty knees. She told police that they had gotten that way from falling in the driveway. The report goes on to say, quote, The complainant The victim's mother spoke with the suspect prior to my arrival. When she told the suspect to stay away from the victim, he became angry and threatened to slap her. When she told him she was getting the police involved, he stated, Fuck them cracker asses, they can't do shit to me. So that's already physical violations against minors and a pregnant woman. And if you don't even have respect for the body of a pregnant woman or a child, I cannot imagine that you would have much respect for any woman. But even women who refuse to press charges after repeated physical abuse aren't safe with Andre Witcher. I want to talk to you about one of his victims whose voice left a deep impact on me. What she would describe to police in gutting and horrific detail took me two days to get all the way through as I listened to her talk on a 45-minute audio clip. This woman was married to Andrelo for a time, and I'm going to call her D to respect her privacy. D met Andrelo through a cousin of hers around 2000. Just like with Heather, he seemed to be a nice guy at first, but at some point he turned into something she didn't even recognize. Their relationship changed, she said, when he would accuse her of cheating, which was another thing that was documented in Heather McCrossan's case. He accused her of the same. In his interview, his cousin Turtle seemed to confirm this as a reason that he had beat a third woman, an argument about another person. So, again, this is part of Andrelo's M.O. It's a pattern, jealousy-induced rage. D said that Andrelo would come home and say, Oh, I met someone out there in the street, and they said they knew you and they slept with you. D said it was absurd, since she was always at home, in the room that they shared. At some point, she was also not allowed to come out, unless Andrelo said she could, just like Heather. It didn't matter that his accusations weren't true. He'd beat her all the same, just like Heather. And even Andrelo himself seems to back this up. In one phone call that I reviewed, he told his mom that he'd been talking to another inmate who knew the last woman that he had been with before he was incarcerated and suggested that she was someone known to cheat this pattern of control and jealousy, you see it over and over in his victims, which is what makes all of their stories credible. They're all the same, and they all come back to him. Andrelos' problems are with himself, but he takes it out on women because they're easy targets. Dee told police that he slept with a gun in the room or a knife in the bed with him, constantly reminding her, I got people watching you, We're going to go make a little drug run, but someone's there watching. She said she had used the bathroom on one of those occasions when he left, and when he returned, one of the men in the house told him that she had come out of her room, so he beat her for it. But it's in the details of these beatings that your heart just folds into your gut and you can't help but get choked up hearing her recounting these stories. The investigator asked her what the beatings entailed. She said, He stomped me. He kicked me. He grabbed me by the hair. He'd choke me until I passed out. Then he'd slap me until I woke up, and he'd start choking me again, over and over. Kevin Allen asked her, He'd wake you up by slapping you in the face? Yeah, he'd punch me in the face. He always punched me in my face. Slapped me, punched me. When he asked her how frequently it occurred, she said, Every day. Or like when I'm bruised up too bad, like when he knows I have to take him places and he wouldn't want people to see me bruised up, he'd wait like three or four days when the bruises go away so I don't look so bad. She talked about how she would just start to heal and look better, and then he'd beat her again. It got to a point where it was an everyday thing, and he didn't even seem to care who saw the bruises. When the investigator asked what brought on these incidents, Her answer is heartbreaking. I don't know. I've always cooked. I've always cleaned. I was always good to him. I don't know. As if not doing any of those things would warrant someone being so brutalized. She endured beatings all over her body. Her face, legs, stomach, broken ribs, internal bleeding. She said he beat her so badly to the point that she was about to give up and die. And then he'd stop and he would let her heal, and then he would start beating her again. It was a vicious and unending cycle. When she was asked if she remembered the first time that she called police, Dee said, I don't remember. I called so much, and then I just stopped calling. I remember I called when I was in the hospital. I remember that time. He beat me for nine hours. Then I called the police. I think he was arrested further down the road and released that night. He was always released, and he didn't care about the restraining order that I had. She said that she had called police probably more than 30 times. They would come and take pictures, they would do a report, and give her a card. He was never arrested once for what he did to her, only once for violating a restraining order. And that's because every time she reported him, Andrello dragged her downtown to file an affidavit to drop the charges. And this is another pattern. More than one of his victims had reported the abuse or someone else reported it on their behalf and they would refuse to press charges because he had threatened them. She said when they moved from Jacksonville to Lake City, it got worse. He'd brag to his cousin that he'd beat her. He started beating her while she was naked, in the bathroom or the tub. Always with his fist, he'd punch her, choke her, drag her through the house by her hair and blacken her eyes and he isolated her, which was another thing that he did with Heather. Dee didn't know anyone in Lake City when they were there. She had no phone, and everyone she knew, she knew through him. One morning, Andrelo told her to get dressed, that he had to go to court. She assumed it was a court date for one of the many crimes that he had committed. He told her to wear a white dress that she had. She didn't think much of it because she always went to court with him, and she knew better than to argue. So they get to the courthouse, and he takes her to the area where they perform marriages. We're going to get married, he said. Dee told police that her heart dropped. She said he asked, What, you don't want to marry me? Again she acquiesced, because she was afraid he'd kill her if she didn't. Once while she was driving, she looked left and right before turning, and Andrelo accused her of looking at some guys in the street. He punched her hard in the ribs. She said it hurt real bad, but she always hurt real bad. And it wasn't until she started getting short of breath that she thought maybe something more dangerous might be going on. He told her to get in the tub, maybe that would make her feel better. But he came in there and started ranting and raving about those dudes that he thought she had looked at, and he started beating on her more. Dee said nobody in that house helped her. She said that Andrelo gave her marijuana for the pain, because even he could see that she was getting worse. At this point, a female who lived in the house at the time, this was in Jacksonville, told Andrelo, this girl's going to die if you don't take her to the hospital, but he angrily insisted she'll be all right. The next morning, D was turning blue, and she was barely able to breathe. Her whole side was green from where he had punched her, and she had been vomiting for several hours. When the people that they lived with again told him to take her to the hospital, Andrelo yelled, No, she's not going anywhere. And then an argument broke out. They told Andrelo if he didn't take her to the hospital, he'd have to leave the house. They were prepared to call the police. I guess that did it, because they all piled into the car and drove to St. Vincent's Hospital. Andrelo opened the door, and he told Dee to get out. And then they left her there, like an abused animal and they drove away. She was in the hospital for a week. He'd broken a couple of her ribs, and one of them punctured her liver. She had internal bleeding. The doctors told her that she'd made it just in time. She almost died. Dee recounted another harrowing incident. Andrello had taken her out of town. This is common, by the way, in domestic abusers. They isolate their victims from family and friends, to ensure complete control over them. At that point, Dee's family hadn't heard from her for about a year. This is again when they lived in Lake City, and she had only agreed to go with him because Andrelo said, if you don't come, I'll kill your whole family. So she left with him. And if you've been paying attention, that should sound familiar too. Because, as you recall, that's exactly what happened with Heather McCrossen. She fled to Michigan to get away from him, but Andrelo kept calling and threatening her, telling her that if she didn't get her ass back to Florida, he'd come to Michigan and get her, and he threatened to harm her family. Yet another pattern, and another reason why the stories of these women are so credible, and Andrelo Witcher is not. You see, Dee had fled Lake City, just like Heather had, and in this case Dee went back to Jacksonville, but Andrelo came for her, and dragged her back to Lake City that night, He took her from her cousin's house and there was a group of family members there. He arrived and he said, you already know, get in that car, let's go. And she said, I'm not leaving, I'm not coming back. And he yelled, get your ass in that car or I will kill everyone in that house. Then he grabbed her and shoved her into the car. She said he was doing 100 miles an hour on the highway, telling her they were going back to Lake City. He said he dug a hole and he was going to put her in it. Hearing this, and believing that that hole was her grave, D clawed at the door of the car. She was prepared to jump out of the moving vehicle, but he had a hold of her. He had her by the neck and by her hair. She was trapped inside the car. And this is again another instance where what he did to D matches what he did to Heather. Andrelo liked beating on women while they were in cars, while holding them captive in a small space from which they couldn't escape. Eventually, he had to stop for gas, and D saw this as her only opportunity. She told him she had to go to the bathroom. She locked herself inside, only then realizing that it had brick walls and no windows with no escape. She said she stayed in there a long time, long enough for him to come knocking on the door. He was whispering to her under his breath, telling her to get out. No one was there to come to her rescue, so she finally opened the door. They arrived back in Lake City and Andrelo took her to an area near where his grandmother lived. It was a wooded area, and he took her there at gunpoint. Forced her into what she believed was a cornfield. She said he pointed the gun at her, and he pulled the trigger. She heard a click, but it didn't fire. She was so panicked, she had to think fast. Are you hungry? I'll cook for you. She did the only thing that she could think of doing. She babied him. Appealing to his ego, and his controlling nature. It worked. That probably saved her life. When the investigator inquired about whether any of his family knew that Andrelo beat Dee, she said that she had run to his grandmother's house for safety on multiple occasions, and that when his grandmother died, she felt hopeless. And that seems to be another point that Turtle corroborated in his interview. He talked about how she must have been telling his grandmother things about Andrelo. She also said that she had told Andrelo's mother about the abuse. She said Andrelo's mother's response was, He's not like that. I didn't raise him like that. Just be easy with him. He's a big baby. Your son beats me, she told his mother. That's your husband, girl. You gotta be submissive to your husband. I'm sure you're wondering how she got away. She said, I made him not want me anymore. You see, Andrelo was very precise about everything. She said, this here, that there, do this, do that. So she stopped doing everything that he asked her to do. Because she was already getting beat, so why bother, right? Before long, he replaced her. He started seeing someone else, and that was her cue to get the hell out of Dodge. They were in Gainesville at the time, living with Andrelo's mom. She had already left, but she came back to pick up some of her things and she got a call from Andrelo's mom. She said, I need you to pick up my son. He's in jail. That girl had him arrested because he beat her. He had just replaced D, and he had already started beating on her replacement. D said the last night that she was at his mom's house getting her stuff, some girl came banging on the door. Andrelo opened the door. I know she's in there. I know you're cheating on me. Obviously, she just didn't know, Dee said. This isn't my man, this is your man. I'm leaving. The investigator asked her if she remembered this girl's name. Yes, her name was Heather. Heather McCrossin. He didn't let me leave that night. I had to leave in the morning. Andrelo didn't want the new girlfriend seeing the old girlfriend. Dee said that Andrelo told her he was in love with Heather. The next morning Dee is walking out with her stuff and Heather pulls up. She confronts D about why she's there with her boyfriend and D just says if you don't leave that man he's going to kill you. And then she drove away. I want to leave you with something that she said about the violence. He would beat me so much every day to where it just didn't even hurt no more but I knew that he beat me because I saw my face I saw my body so I know he beat me but I just didn't feel it sometimes once in Lake City when the police were investigating one of his beatings they arrested her D called them and they were already looking for him on another matter If you don't tell us where he is they said we're gonna take you to jail and you know what she said? Take me to jail. He's going to come back and beat me anyway. She said the only relief that she got from his beatings was when Andrelo was in jail or prison. But it wasn't just the beatings. It wasn't just that Andrelo had managed to pull out most of her hair. He'd beat her and then he would force her to have sex with him after a beating. He'd hold her down, choke her into submission, and force himself on a wounded woman. Dee lived, and still lives in constant fear of what Andrela Witcher would do if he ever gets out of prison, or I imagine what he could have someone else do for him. Every day, all the time, she's afraid. I would hope that there's one thing that we can all agree on. Nobody should have to live with life altering trauma like that because of the actions of another human being. And nobody who perpetrates that kind of brutality and terror on someone should ever be allowed to walk among us ever.
1: It's a case with more questions than answers. It involves drugs, a missing woman, and a convicted felon. As time ticks by, family, friends, and law enforcement continue to look for clues into the disappearance of a Suwannee County girl who vanished over two years ago.
0: It's kind of hard to put closure to something when there's nothing there to put closure with.
1: It's been over two years since Stephanie Warden laid eyes on her daughter. 24-year-old Camry Mitchell was last seen by family on August 25, 2012 in the Bradford Lake City area. That night, Camry's friend, 35-year-old Andrella Witcher, broke into her home and got into an argument with her and her father, Jeff Mitchell, over prescription pills. Camry called police, but Witcher left the home before they arrived. The next morning, Camry and her wife, Pontiac Grandam, were missing. It was only a few days later, thanks to a Facebook post, there was a major break in the case. First came hope, then came heartbreak. It was along this road that investigators found the vehicle of Camry Mitchell, but inside there was no Camry. Uh, there was some of her belongings in the car, which would not necessarily be unusual, but there were some things that were there that, you know, I would think that I would take with me if I just parked my car there you know, trying to hold out hope that, you know, um, Camry will show up. Sheriff Tony Cameron says so much time has passed, the case is now considered a cold case. 12 days after Camry went missing, Andrello Witcher was charged and convicted, but only for home invasion and armed burglary. He's serving five years in prison for those crimes. Witcher is no stranger to the law, listed on the Florida Department of Law Enforcement's website as a sex offender with convictions dating back to 2003. Witcher denied any involvement in the disappearance of Mitchell. A closer look into Witcher's past shows another woman went missing in 2007. Witcher's ex-girlfriend, Heather McClawson, disappeared and has yet to be found. So for Camry's mother, Stephanie, she can only assume the worst.
0: I feel they hurt my daughter and she's somewhere. I don't know where, um, but I don't think she's alive anymore.
1: Camry did leave a piece of herself behind, her then two-year-old daughter. Camry's mother says she's the one shining light in such a dark mystery.
0: That's what refreshes me when I see her, because I get that piece of her. You
1: know what I'm saying? Um, I get to see that even though she's not here. While answers to what happened to Camry Mitchell still linger, the one person who may know what actually happened sits in a jail cell. Sheriff Cameron believes Andrello Witcher knows exactly what happened to Camry Mitchell. My personal belief is yes, he knows something. Um, will he ever speak? I don't know. Will someone else, who knows, speak and step forward? Uh, don't know where. Uh, We hope so. Cold case detective Kevin Allen out of Alachua County is currently looking at Mitchell's case as well because he noticed some similarities between Camry's case and Witcher's ex-girlfriend, Heather McCrossin. That leads him to believe Witcher may be involved in multiple cases and disappearances.
0: In the next few episodes, we're going to dig into Camry Mitchell's story. Stay tuned.